When I first started out in the industry, I kind of prided myself on how many business cards can I collect? And while that kind of stuff is a great practice, are those really quality relationships that you're building? I've never positioned myself or campaigned for things like that. I try to just work hard and, and just know that good things will happen. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. All anyone wants to talk about nowadays is the great resignation. The ongoing trend of employees voluntarily leaving their jobs in response to the coronavirus pandemic. That's it. I've had it. I'm out of here. It's a pretty interesting concept if you break it down to why. If you really start to question that, it's interesting. I was reading an article from NPR, and they cited the story of a 27-year-old software developer who was stressed out, losing his hair, feeling anxiety, felt like he was never around his family enough. And as he sat in his home on quarantine, he started to ask himself, why? Like, why am I putting myself through this? Why am I stressed? Is this good enough? Is my job worth this much anxiety? And is this the life I want? It's pretty powerful. These are powerful questions. And I really hope someone is listening. Let me pause on that for a second because that last sentence had real meaning. I hope someone is listening. I'm talking to you employers. Are you listening? Do you hear what your people are saying? I had a mentor once who used to tell me all the time that his job was to hire great people and set them up to be successful. And I agree with this philosophy wholeheartedly, but I'm really not so sure other people do. We get confined to this existence of, I have to work and make money so I don't get fired and end up on the street. When in reality is you can have balance. Like those are extreme conversations. Like if you don't work 60 hours and you don't stress yourself out and you don't push it, push it, push it, push it, you're going to get fired. Like that's extreme. You can and should have balance in your life. You've earned that. Sports employers, you have a big challenge ahead of you. For decades, you've relied on the cool factor. Working in sports is cool. Sports workers have told themselves, and I say this as someone who has done this, I'm in the action, I do something cool, and my friends are jealous, and I'm covering these games, or I'm doing this thing, working 60 hours a week, nights, weekends, holidays, that's just part of the grind. That's just part of what I've signed up for. We used to tell ourselves that it was a rite of passage a necessary step in our development. Well, today's workers are smarter than that. They want more purpose, more goals, more clear communication, more benefits, more realistic expectations. It doesn't mean they aren't willing to work hard. That's the other mistake we all make. We just put this label on them and say, oh, you're just not willing to work. It doesn't mean they're not willing to work hard. It just means they aren't willing to work hard just for the sake of working hard. It has to be more to it than that. Employers are complaining about labor shortages, and I wonder why. That's sarcasm. More often than not, it's because of poor work environments and culture. That's on you, employers. Sports employers, we have to change. We have to offer more. Today's guest, Dan Heck, Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing and Fan Engagement, knows this. Last year during quarantine, Auburn had executive-level staff members working as ball girls and ball boys for soccer, running scorebooks and coming together to get the job done. And 
when you walk in somebody else's shoes, that can really open your eyes. It can build community. It can build understanding. Dan and I have a great conversation about the grind of college sports and what that means. The calling and purpose and community vibe that he is driven to and how college sports exemplifies that for him. And the overall culture of athletics. It's really an amazing conversation. It puts a lot of things in perspective. Here's Dan Heck. Hey, Dan, what's happening? I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Brian. Uh, excited to be on the show. Uh, longtime uh, listener, first-time guest. So yeah. definitely excited to uh, to dive in and, uh, and visit with you a little bit more today. It's amazing that dar- during college football season, we were able to grab you, which is great. I know you're on the road this week, so this is, this is awesome to be able to have this conversation. Speaking of that, you've spent your entire career in college athletics. Why? What drove you to this side of the industry? How did you figure out this career path? Yeah, well, uh, to me, college athletics, it, it's just, it's, it's a mission statement to me. It's much more of, of driving my why and kind of a purpose now more than anything. It's, it's not like it's a nine to five job where we're just coming in here and punching the, you know, punching the clock and then leaving at the end of the day, just going through the motions. This is very much a, a mission, uh, mission statement. Uh, driven organization and industry and, and really uh, a, a calling, if you will, not to be too cheesy, but it really is a calling to work in college athletics. And, and I feel sports business overall, but especially college athletics, just the mission statement behind helping our student athletes out. You have 18 to 22 year olds who are here to get a college education and really only a, a few percentage, a small percentage of those individuals will be going on to be playing professional sports. So really uh, in the business of helping make an impact on their lives to uh, see a freshman come in as an 18-year-old and watch them graduate and leave and uh, go on to uh, you know pursue uh, a doctorate degree or, or pursue a, a career in, in the business world. It's, it's really um, helping them out. So the, you know it feels really good to know that the revenue, for example, that we're driving in, it's not like it's just going to you know the owner of a sports franchise to make more billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. These are actually real dollars helping young people uh, go to college. And then, of course, you know, from where I sit, just living and working and, and doing all this in a college town, there's, there's really nothing like the pageantry and the tradition of being in college athletics, whether it's game day or just the energy and the buzz uh, being around uh, young people in a college town, um, especially that time in the summer where, you know, uh, the fall semester is starting to creep up on you and um, mm-hmm. the, the campus starts to ramp up and, and just that feeling of being around a college town, there's there's really nothing like it. I do think that is the thing that draws so many people to the sports industry. It did it for me too. That energy of the event, those moments are just for so sure. special. And all the work that goes into getting you there is fun because you know that like, I don't know, that special environment, that special thing. And I want to talk to you more about environment in a little bit. But really, one layer deeper, once you identified where you aligned yourself, you know, in college athletics, and once you felt like this is what I'm meant to do, and I know I'm getting my purpose and my why and and really developing those things, which makes perfect sense. How did you figure out then that extra layer of, okay, marketing, that's my focus within this niche. How did you kind of figure that part out and what led you there? Well, yeah, I, I really did not know that until I started off as an intern at Central Michigan University. And you talked about, you know, game day, that that's kind of where, you know, that's where you kind of find out that, you know, the, uh, the juice is worth the squeeze, so to speak. So like yeah. the, 
you know, the work you're putting in that that's kind of the payoff is the game day. Uh, and just that, that, uh, that excitement. And, and I felt that I, I felt that energy the first time that I stepped foot in Kelly short stadium at Mount Pleasant, Michigan at CMU central Michigan university, even as a, you know, uh, and I'm hopefully I'm not dating myself here, but I, I interned, I guess fall 2008 was, uh, my start as an intern and really, uh, you're not you know, dating yourself. If I tell uh, you when I started in the sports industry, <laughs> I'd be dating myself. Uh, <laughs> 2008 isn't so, so bad, buddy. <laughs> uh, so it just is. It, it just is that uh, never forget that moment uh, type of a feel for all of us in the industry, regardless of the year. Just uh, I was hooked and started drinking yeah. the Kool Aid um, at that moment. And so um, from that point on, just really tried to uh, learn as much as I could about the industry. And and looking back on it, you know, I think why. Why marketing and why did I stay down that path is really just externally facing with our fan base and our donors. And uh, really, uh, they're the reason, you know, outside of our student athletes, our student athletes wouldn't be able to compete if it wasn't for our fans uh, buying tickets and supporting us. And just, um, you know, really, I feel like we're in the business of making memories, too. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of things going on in our world right now, in our country, um, that uh, our country is divided on. But there's something still very special about college athletics or for a college football Saturday, for example, where for three hours on a Saturday, we can uh, kind of set aside whatever differences we might have and come together and wear orange and blue and, and be very excited and be united in, in agreeing on, on some things. So there's not many things in our country that 87 Yeah, because nobody people, argues over college sports. You're right. right. Yeah. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're wearing a, an Alabama hat. Yeah. But it, it's really just that uh, that experience that we have, the platform that we have to be able to uh, provide an outlet for our fans and uh, making yeah. memories for them of all ages, especially uh, little kids, 12 and under, just seeing the look in their eyes of, you know, maybe um, we're hosting a group on the field or the first time that uh, someone steps foot in our uh, one of our stadiums or our arenas for the first time ever visiting their event and just kind of reliving that experience and going through you know that with them the 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 work that we do has a direct correlation on on them whether it's um, getting them in the door through you know a ticket or even just some of the things that we can do in the arena uh, or our venues through the use of the video board or, yeah. or kind of that fan experience element on field is is really really exciting and just it really um you know is special knowing that you could help make an impact on someone's experience yeah you get that real-time feedback like you know when things are working right you see a crowd reaction or you see like all these things happen or more people are showing up or whatever and it's like for sure immediate feedback on how you're well you're doing in your job um when i first started in the sports media i was drawn to the environment i love the day-to-day in the newsroom where you've got everybody kind of together Sports monitors are on everywhere. There's games on every screen and it's like debates are happening. We're all chatting it up. You know, people are tracking trash a little bit as they're working. Like, I just love that. It was so much fun. Right. I've heard the, I've heard, and I haven't worked in college athletics, but I've heard the work environment in college athletics can be similar, you know, intense and you have jobs to do and lots of hard work, but like this, this intimacy almost amongst your crew, what's that experience been like for you and how would you relate it to other people? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, as you said, there's definitely a, a time and a place where, you know, when, when we need to get business done, we're going to get business done. But, but, you know, with the long hours that I spoke about, especially if we're away from our family, for example, and with it being a lifestyle, you know, if we're, if we're going to go th- and, and work all of those hours, uh, it better be with some people that you enjoy working with and, and yeah. have fun, fun doing work with every day. And that's not to say we're, you know, you know, goofing off and joking around, but 
you want to have those those experiences together that are that are fun and memorable. Specifically, uh, you know, memorable moments. Uh, I think back to some of those days where I talked about Kelly Short Stadium at Central Michigan University. Well, that's a place where, you know, at a mid-major school may may not have a lot of resources, and really, uh, kind of everybody has to you know roll up their sleeves and do whatever needs to be done to put on a game day. Well, some of the, there was a game I believe in two thousand nine. Um, CMU's has some really good football teams over the years and, and, uh, some of the most notable historic years were, uh, thankfully when I worked there was, uh, we had a quarterback named Dan Lefevre yeah. and then, uh, coach Butch Jones, uh, who's now at Arkansas state, um, just some of the best years of CMU football. Well, uh, we all know those Maction Tuesday night games on ESPN. Yep. Well, it was a Tuesday night game and it was in November and in Michigan in November, uh, it, it's very easily possible that there could be snow on the ground. And of course the, the day, the one day that we're on national TV uh, for one of those games against ball state, there was one of the largest snowstorms ever uh, mm-hmm. in that time of the year. And so uh, I vividly remember shoveling bleachers, uh, literally sh- shoveling snow uh, with our interns. And I sound like the old grandpa when I talk to our interns about, you know, I, I, we will never ask our interns to do something that we haven't done ourselves. So um, I I don't think we're going to get a snowstorm in Auburn, Alabama, Um, (laughs) but that is a very vivid memory of just, you know, just coming together with, with not just interns. It's not like this was intern hazing. No, this was full-time staff members. This was the athletics director, uh, the senior associate AD, the executive staff, everybody coming together to make this football game happen. Um, Because if, if the bleachers were not shoveled off, our fans would not have anywhere to sit. And so it's very unique to uh, the Northern part of the country but just uh, one of those crazy memories of just working at a smaller institution that may not have as many resources to like hire even a facilities crew to come in and do that. But just that's the stuff you remember is just the, you know, the late nights and the early mornings when no one else is awake and, and no one else is on campus yet for a game. Uh, the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, that's one of the things that people don't realize that don't work in sports is, you know, you don't just show up and open the gates to the stadium right. and, uh, and, you know, start playing football. You know, there's, there's days and hours and, and weeks and months of preparation that go into that one event. So just those little details of, of that and really the people that it's with. And uh, that's what makes it special. It is crazy too. There's so many parallels between like the media world and the college athletics world, because for us, it was always like the show is going to happen, whether you have a technological problem or some right. other thing happens, like that show is going to air, get the job done. And it sounds I, I'm thinking of that as you talk, it's like this game's going to happen all of us have to band together and get this thing going. And it's an attitude that is like very community building, if you ask me. And that's one of the things I really always have gravitated towards in the sports industry as well. One of the things I, whenever I talk to a buddy in college athletics and I, I'm looking through their LinkedIn profile or I'm going through their background a little bit, it seems like the consistent theme is that most everyone has worked five or six different stops and they've jumped from this school to that school. And that's how they've grown in their career. And it's relocated across the country and moved here and moved there. So far for you, central Michigan, Arizona, Auburn, like you've moved around a lot. Why is that such a big part of the college athletic experience that need to kind of relocate in order to grow? Yeah, really. I think it just comes down to opportunities and, and really wherever that opportunity is, whether that's being able to gain more experience or more, professional opportunity or even, you know, whether it's maybe an increase in pay or responsibility within your organization, that, that may be the case. But a lot of times, especially at, at even a power five institution, 
these these jobs and these opportunities, you know, there are people in uh, senior level positions that they're very happy with where they're at, rightfully so, because these are amazing universities, amazing college towns, uh, great school systems with their families, and and they may not be uh, looking to leave because they're um, very comfortable or they're very happy with where they're at with their job, and so. Um, sometimes, uh, there's a variety of factors, but, you know, maybe sometimes there's a ceiling a little bit on, um, not even just, um, your experiences, but even just, you know, you, you've done just about everything you've done. And just sometimes a a wise man once told me that, uh, actually somebody that I know that recently took a new opportunity at another school. He, he told me that sometimes the grass isn't greener. Sometimes you just want a different set of grass. And Mm -hmm. so, and so really just, uh, whether it's a new opportunity or a fresh start, at a different place, I think, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to move up, you have to move out sometimes to do that. And so that's very common to do that. I think, you know, for those that are career minded and do want to work in college athletics and make a career out of it, uh, especially for those that have aspirations of becoming an athletics director, it's very widely known that, you know, you are going to have to move and be willing to be flexible to do that. I, I, uh, when I moved to Auburn, uh, little did I know when I moved here five years ago that I would meet my wife Courtney, and uh, she she you know really is the reason why from this point forward, um, you know would not have uh, would not have been able to do what I do without her. She understands the industry, she understands yeah. college athletics, and that this is the lifestyle. And and uh, you know she she loves it here at Auburn. We both love it here at Auburn, and and we're very happy here and and very excited here. But. Um, you know, I know that it's probably not very likely that, you know, 10, 20 years down the road that uh, if I want to continue to work in college athletics, that I'll be able to stay here. So she, she knows that she, she's prepared to say, Hey, you know, whatever that opportunity is someday down the road at some point in time, you know, that, that may be an opportunity. She, she would be willing and ready to uh, do that as a part of, uh, just our lifestyle and, and our family uh, kind of as a calling in college athletics. Yeah. It's a big part of the journey and a big part of the sports industry in general. I mean, I've relocated many times for my media career. I mean, there's so many parallels here. And I do think that framing your mind around that as a young person and realizing that the opportunities and the upward mobility may be somewhere else and you may need to move markets and you may need to move to a different, uh, athletic program or get into a bigger school to get different opportunities. And having that in the frame of mind is kind of important with that kind of as a launching point, sure. Um, how important is it then? Because again, everybody I talk to in college athletics knows a lot of the same people or <laughs> has this really vast network. And I always am trying to stress to people like networking happens horizontally just as much as it happens vertically. Those people that you worked with at CMU, who you guys were all busting your tails just clear snow that day. I'm yeah. sure you can go through that list and list off all the different schools that they're working at now. How important is that to build those relationships in college athletics so that then when people do spread out and go to different schools, well, now you've got those connections everywhere and you've got that network you can rely on. How important is that factor? Yeah, re- really. I've, I've, I've honestly, and, and, I, and I know that networking is a very common word. I, I honestly try to just stay away from that word. I think sometimes that can give a negative misconception true um really to me it, it really is with the relationships it's it's really just it's it's friendships it's it's really um i think as i've gotten older and i'm, I'm speaking to the uh the young dan heck when i say this i think um when i first started out in the industry i i, I kind of prided myself on how many business cards can i collect and you know how many uh you know net, how many email follow-up emails can i send up to somebody that i meet at a, at a convention and while that kind of stuff is a great practice 
are those really quality relationships that you're building? Or are those just a way for you to spray your name out there? Um, you know, some of the best friendships that I have and the best, uh, you know, network that I have is just, are just people that I know, uh, that, you know, I, I try to get to know their family. Like what, you know, what is their wife's name? Like, what is their, they just, you know, who, who do I know? They just had a baby and what, what is, how's your family doing? Like just as people get, get to know someone as a human being and, and how are, how are we doing as people and maybe not necessarily what is the logo, on your shirt or, or it's not true. It shouldn't be transactional of how can this person help me out? It's, it's, it should be honestly more, how can I help this person out? So, so really to answer your question, you know, really that, that network, uh, that horizontal network is, is very important. Um, I will say that the, uh, the group that I, I grew up with, so to speak in the industry, uh, we, there's kind of like a, a generation, I would say of those of us that kind of started at CMU and then those of us maybe that started off going to a NACMA convention together. Uh, NACMA yeah. is our collegiate marketing association nationally, and and just staying in touch with them, and and just you know I, I'm the biggest cheerleader of those people, and so I, my, their success is something that excites me more than than anything else. And so just keeping track of them, and and uh, whenever someone gets an opportunity, just really excited for them. And so um, sometimes it's kind of uh, annoying, I would say, for the CMU crew. We're, we're very proud of our Central Michigan Chippewas. So um, if we're at a conference or a convention together, um, <laughs> you know, there's sometimes a lot of us that are working in the industry. And so we, we pride ourselves on stuff like that. But that's what makes it fun. And I will say this, you know, we're, we're talking pre-COVID. Uh, a lot of this is I think that that's one thing that's been missing is that in-person uh, reunion, that in-person networking is you know, we really have to be a lot more intentional with with our relationships in in the industry right now. So, um, you know, texting is great and emailing is great, but when is the last time that you picked up the phone and just called someone in your network or a friend of yours that works at a different organization to just yeah. check in and see how they're doing and and just not even talk about shop? Like, how how's life? Like, how are you doing as as you know a human being? How mentally, you know, how are you doing? And just uh, and just checking in on on your friends around the industry because, you know, a lot of us have not been together at a convention or a, or a meeting uh, since before 2020. And so um, Zoom has been great for that virtually, but there's still something different about, you know, an in, in in-person connection. So hopefully, you know, with the vaccine and us kind of getting uh, starting to get back to normal a little bit in the next year, those kinds of opportunities will become more and more. Um, so it's been great to reconnect with friends. Uh, virtually over the last 18 months and starting to, you know, do some more in-person uh, meetups with past past friends in my network has been great also recently. It is crazy. Like you're looking back over the last couple of years and just realizing a lot of those relationships as we all kind of hunkered down that maybe didn't get the attention they deserved. And, and like you said, from a humanity standpoint, for sure, not just from a business standpoint, not yeah. just from a networking or high rising kind of standpoint, just like how are you? Right. How are people? Like to keep that connection For going sure. and see what's going on in their world. I think that's really important to remember. As I mentioned, you jump from Central Michigan to Arizona. Um, that's a pretty big jump. What were the biggest changes you noticed as you went from a group of five school to a power five school? That has to be like dramatic shift in what the way you were used to doing business. Yeah, I will say, you know, at the end of the day, it's like still the core mission of, you know, from a marketing standpoint maximizing attendance and revenue is still there. Uh, it's just the, 
there's a lot more revenue. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the, 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 the commas and the number of uh, zeros in your bank account or in your marketing budget or the overall operating budget of the athletics department are, are significantly different at a power five school versus a mid-major. So still the same goals. I, I will say that my background at Central Michigan has helped me along the way to be more creative doing more with less resources and just kind of having that, that mentality, that blue collar mentality uh, coming from a smaller school, uh, combining that with a higher budget. I think that, I think that's a good perspective to have. So I've tried to actually maintain that um, even now with where I'm at at Auburn. Yeah. Um, But to say, but you know, to say that uh, the first time that I was given a marketing budget at Arizona compared to what I remember at CMU, I was, I was actually was confused. I thought I was missing something. I'm like, Wait, <laughs> you know, there's uh, five digits in this budget and not four. And what, yeah. you know, what am I seeing? Or I actually have a marketing budget. I even have some dollars to spend on this sport to help advertise is amazing. Um, and also just the eyeballs and the attention, um, mm-hmm. either from a media cycle or just, uh, you know, in venue, uh, for example, you know, there's a, a, there's a little bit, and it's no knock on a mid-major school, but when there's a mistake on the video board with um, 20,000 people at a football game compared to when there's a mistake on the video board with 65,000 people or 87,000 people now at Auburn, you know, that's going to, that's going to make a little bit more attention um, than a little bit of pressure than a smaller mid-major school. So, so really, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the biggest thing is just uh, that, that, uh, that attention and the eyeballs and and the resources that are uh, different at a power five school. Yeah, I'd imagine it just trickles down to it's like your social media followings more like your media attention, your bigger market, like coverage, just all of it just amplifies. Everything goes up a level. But I love what you said there about like at, at CMU, you learned how to be scrappy and, and be creative and innovative, innovative. And that that can help. That can really like guide you in a lot of different ways. For sure. When you when you first came to University of Arizona, it was May of 2012, <laughs> you were the associate director of marketing and new media. A month later, June 25th, Arizona won the College World Series, crowned national champs. How overwhelming is that to go from, okay, I'm CMU, I come to Arizona, I got to learn a new place, I got to learn a new market, I got to learn where the bathroom is, everything, and then it's like, okay, we just got a national championship, there's work to be done. Like, how crazy, how crazy is it to get your footing and then have that happen? Yeah, Brian, you did your homework. That, that is a really good question. Uh, Well, uh set the bar really high because really, uh, really thought that it was that easy to win a national championship. <laughs> yeah, Actually, this is great. They, it's easy. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and before that, uh, even, you know, won, won a Pac-12, my first weekend in Tucson, Arizona, uh, was the weekend that Arizona baseball clinched a Pac-12 championship, hosted regionals and super regionals, I think in the first time in a long time. And so just, I, I was there for the whole journey to go to Omaha. And so just, even though I was there for a, a short amount of time, really, Felt like I was a part of that journey, and and even as the new guy, I uh, was welcomed in as a part of the Arizona family, and uh, and really it was it was just so much fun. I, I really learned the value there of capitalizing on big moments. I think we we say that a lot of marketing is we we cannot control what happens on the field, but we can control how how we respond to it. We we always are prepared to win. So, uh, you know, we whether you call that a hot market or call it. Uh, a micro moment, you know, whatever that would be uh, from a licensing or revenue standpoint, you know, those kinds of opportunities only happen once in a lifetime. So how are you going to capitalize and make, make the most out of that opportunity? So 
you're not just going to, you know, win the game and, and then put your plan together and say, oh, what are we going to do? You know, no, there obviously was, you know, weeks and days of planning going into that, even, even in 2012. So really fun just to be a part of a t- uh, the team that kind of helped roll out uh, the plan on social media, uh, you know, from a licensing standpoint, uh, putting, you know, helping to uh, roll out, you know, our, our merchandise campaign and then hosting the team back for a national championship celebration. So really it was, it was so much fun and, and, uh, and really good for me, I think that early in, in my career at a, at a place like that to, to see that type of success and, and, uh, and know that that's, that really is the goal that you're working for, even though you don't have anything to do with that on the field is, um, in terms of off the field, being prepared to win uh, and be successful. Yeah, that's pretty damn energizing. I'll say that. My goodness, national championship, I'd be like crazy. Um, So, okay, four years at Arizona and every step of your career, you're growing, right? There's things you're learning, there's things you're doing. As you look back, what were those big things you kind of took away from that Arizona experience that kind of made you ready for that jump to the SEC? Because that's, I mean, like you even said, what was it, 65,000 in the football stadium at Arizona and then 87,000? I might have the numbers off a little bit, but like it's a jump. So what was happening for you at, at Arizona that kind of got you, like, as you look back, like this really set the stage for that next move? Sure. I really think a lot of it is maybe not even operationally, but honestly more just, you know, you got to think like when I came out to Arizona in 2012, I was still one or two years out of grad school in my, you know, mid twenties uh, to, you know, four years later, even just growing up as, as a man and as a human being, just, um, just kind of that emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. I would say, or even polit- political intelligence of, of, uh, of learning how to react to certain uh, scenarios or handling adversity, uh, you know, how to be confident in a room, uh, you know, commanding, you know, the respect of a head coach. And, you know, you're not in there, you know, you're being respectful, but, you know, uh, when you're in, in a room with Greg Byrne, uh, the athletics director, who's ironically now at Alabama, say, we can talk about that, that later, but, but, uh, but Greg, but Greg Byrne was the AD at Arizona at the time and, and uh, is, is someone who I respect and look up to a lot in this industry. And still, and we still stay in touch, still stay in touch to this day. Are you allowed to say and that I in Auburn, say, that you're in touch with the... Yeah, one, one, day, well, one day a year, <laughs> we are not friends. Uh, I will uh, see him before that game, um, but depending on the outcome of that game, I will not see him after the game, uh, especially a certain game late in November. One of you is not happy and one of you is not talking. No, <laughs> b- before before and after photo. But that's what's great about college athletics is we, you know, we can keep those relationships uh, year round, just not on that that game day. But like um, someone like that, but like, uh, you know, Coach Rich Rodriguez, who's the head football coach at the time, um, Mike Kendrea, who is a legendary softball coach, Sean Miller, who is the head yeah. basketball coach at the time, just just being in, in, in a meeting room or presenting to a coach like that of just growing and, and learning and gaining confidence that, you know, even though I do have a mid-major background, you know, I, I can do this job at, at the power five level and at a back 12 school like Arizona. So really just grew a lot um, from a confidence standpoint, but also kind of, you know, maintaining that, that humility as well. And then also, um, overall, just the importance of of your your high profile sports. Every sport is important, but but the success of of your football program and your success of your men's basketball program, uh, from a, an attention standpoint and marketing and and um, you know awareness standpoint, um, you know you know capitalizing on the success of those programs at the Power Five level is uh, is is so important to the success of not just those programs, but 
Um, when football is successful and men's basketball is, is successful, it helps the entire institution. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a rise in admissions. There's, you know, there are, uh, there are people, there are new applicants from different parts of the world that will apply to your university when you win a football national championship or when you're in the final four, uh, for men's basketball, for example. So just, um, just the value in, in the power of, of how high profile college athletics can help uh, the entire institution and, and help. Uh, recruit for other sports on campus. So when you end up at the Pac-12 national championship, welcome to the Pac-12, right? The big, big moment there. <laughs> what about when the when you hit the SEC? When did that kind of hit you? What was that welcome to the SEC moment like? Okay, this is a this is a whole new scenario here. What was that like for you? Wow, I think it it really was probably had not really sunk in because when I came to Auburn, that was June, uh, late June of 2016. And, uh, and really, you know, took that first few months of, at, at Auburn, here at Auburn, just to kind of, you know, try to figure out even where my office was mm-hmm. located and who does what. And even though, even though I was very involved with football, still had no idea what to expect, uh, what an Auburn football game day looked like until um, we actually hosted our first Auburn football game day. And, and that year, um, that was the first of two home-and-home games against Clemson. And so for our home opener in 2016, we, we opened up and uh, hosted Clemson for that game and, you know, heard, had heard stories and obviously on the interview and just, you know, researching the opportunity to come to Auburn, had known about Auburn and the atmosphere on game day and the traditions. But really, until you actually go through um, the game, that game day experience, I, I would say the actual moment that I remember was, um, was seeing the Eagle fly for the first time. We have, we, War Eagle is, is our, one of our rally oh, yeah. cries. Uh, the, the Tigers are our mascot. War Eagle is our rally cry. Um, but we do have a live eagle. That is the War Eagle. And so um, at that point in the game, you know, pregame for what we do on headset, for example, can be kind of stressful a lot of times, but really, you know, felt like I was prepared for the game production. But when the eagle flies, that's not anything I can control. I mean, it's it's a live animal flying around the stadium. <laughs> so I don't have a remote. I don't have a on, on or off yeah. switch for the eagle. So there's really not much you can do, which is kind of refreshing in our world. Like we try to control everything. So to have something that's a part of your game day, I was actually able to sit down and just soak in that moment and look around this sea of orange in the stadium and just feel the energy and like, wow, like this is, this is, this is awesome. This is, this is why I came to Auburn Uh, and just watching that Eagle fly around and just feeling the energy and just still, it still sends chills up and down your spine. Um, for that kind of a moment and just being able to, I think that's important in the industry of even on our most stressful day, being able to sit back and just pause and be like, wow, like this is incredible that we get to do this. It's not, you know, nobody's forcing us to do this, but the fact that we have the opportunity to do this. So that was, that was that moment for me, the the Eagle flight of the Clemson game for my first year. Yeah. Okay. So I'll admit it. I'll be really transparent here. I have always found the career path in college athletics kind of confusing. Like I know like myself, I like to see the steps and things. I like to see like, okay, I'm going to do X and then I'm going to get to this and then I'm going to get to that. And I can really visualize whether I'm playing sports or growing in my career or whatever. I like to visualize what that future path looks like. But I mean, I've talked to a hundred people in college athletics and it feels like everybody has some strange variation of their title. And I never really mastered this like 
what does it look like? What does that path look like? So can you help me understand a little bit more? I feel like there's so many little nuances there between associate levels and assistant levels and this, that, and whatever. Like, how would you kind of break it down <laughs> if you were trying to explain it to somebody that's interested in the industry, but maybe might not be able to visualize what that path may look like? Yeah, I, I really think that, honestly, just to be on, I really think that sometimes in our industry, we get too hung up on yeah. titles. I, I do think there is value in it in a title, but, but really, are you being appreciated and are you, you know, being valued, um, you know, either financially or as a person in your industry, it's, it's a total package. Um, but you know, it is, it is definitely confusing the, the, the path, so to speak, but I, I really like to start really at, at the, you know, the intern level, because that's a, that's a, ner- that's a phrase that I think is, uh, it translates yep, a lot. People get that industry, one. Yep. So people understand that level. Um, going up from an intern, uh, a lot of times you might become a graduate assistant or a coordinator uh, type of a role. Uh, graduate assistant is more of uh, the fact that we work on a college campus, but really that would be just um, more of like a postgraduate internship is what that would be. It'd be um, kind of that bridge gap between um, being an st- undergraduate student and maybe a full-time salaried employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to where maybe you're a coordinator or an assistant director that's now where, you know, the pro world, that might be more of like an account executive or, or like somebody that is, you know, really an entry-level position. Um, that would be the equivalent of an entry-level position for a professional sports world. Uh, when you're getting to be like a director over a unit, over a different department, there's different departments in athletics. So these are within the department that you're, the path that you're on, you know, so a director over a unit, a director of marketing, a director of communications, um, even, you know, an assistant athletics director where I'm at, the, that would be more of like a middle level management uh, type of a role where you have autonomy and, and you're, you're directing and leading a staff, but you also report to, you know, someone that's above you at the executive mm-hmm. level. And then once you get to the line, I would say of associate athletics director, senior associate athletics director, you see those titles a lot. That would be much more of, of the high level executive level uh, that is kind of on maybe like the top lieutenant or uh, a top cabinet member of the athletics director. So the AD is the the top mm-hmm. chief, you know, the CEO of the department of the athletics department. And so anybody that kind of is, uh, is right under the athletics director would be on that uh, senior associate AD or F- associate AD type of a path. So, okay, good. That makes um, a lot more sense because yeah. I've always ha- wondered where that level is when it's like, Assistant AD, associate AD, senior associate AD, like that kind of mix in there. But then also you see people that don't have the AD part in their title and it's, you know, director as, as you had at Arizona. So you're like, okay, how does all, how does all this nuance kind of play together? Yeah, that that would be the best way that I would describe it. And it also does vary from level to level. I will, I will say that I think, I think at a, sometimes maybe a, a power five level, you know, the, someone, someone with the amount of experience, Someone with the amount of experience of a senior associate AD at a Power 5 school may be different than someone with the amount of experience that is a senior associate AD at a Division 2 school. makes sense, and yeah. That's no knock, there's no knock on you know, a Division 2 level. It's just, it just kind of the, it's just kind of how the progression goes with, uh, with those types of experiences. Completely makes sense. Okay, so you got that moniker, that uh, athletics director, as part of your title when you came to Auburn. You were in the title of assistant athletics director. That sounds big time to me. I hear that and I'm like, all right, Dan's legit. I mean, obviously you are, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you hear that, you add that little part in. It mean it has some meaning. Whether or not you get mired in job descriptor or job titles, I mean, me from the outside, I look at that and say that's big time. 
was that a major career moment for you? Is that like one of those goals you set? Like, I want that athletics director kind of in my title or those kind of responsibilities. And furthermore, how did those responsibilities change when you get that extra layer in there? Yeah, honestly, for me, really what it, what it showed me that, that, uh, that bump up from director to assistant athletics director that came, I believe it was in 2018 or 19 after our new athletics director came in. So we, we went through a transition in leadership here in the athletics department during spring of 2018. And so um, when Alan Green came in, he brought in uh, basically an entire new executive team. And so um, the executive team that came in and, and my boss, Evan, uh, who I work closely with now, um, you know, I think uh, they they kind of went through the athletics department and and I don't want to speak for that process specifically, but, but really it was just really uh, a gesture for them to say, hey, you know, very humbling for yeah. me to just say, hey, this is something that we want to do for you to um, show that we, you know, appreciate what you're doing and that you're a part of our plans and that you're a part of, you know, the, we value you and we value your work. And so, um, honestly, there was not a, a ton of uh, major job responsibilities that came with that. We actually had some um, some different staffing um, before that where um, some, my previous boss had left. And so there were some of his job responsibilities that kind of fell on to me. And so that in and of itself added some work responsibilities. So um, really it was, it was kind of just a gesture of good faith to, to really uh, show appreciation for, uh, for, I guess, some of the work that I'd done. But again, very, those are kinds of things that uh, I, I've, I can honestly say that I've never asked for a promotion. I've never asked for a raise. I've, I'm not one to, uh, position myself or campaign for things like that. I try to just just work hard and and uh, and just do what I do and put my head down and go to work and and uh, and just know that good things will happen. And and sure, like if if there's an opportunity where I need to maybe you know go out there out to bat for myself, I will. But I'm not really one to you know kind of campaign, yeah. um, especially internally. So it really was uh, a nice uh, a nice gesture that that happened. So. We're, let's talk about your role a little bit in more descriptive terms. I mean, sure. marketing and fan engagement, you went through a pretty tough time marketing and fan engagement during quarantine and during coronavirus. And that's not easy. Uh, how much did that force you to you and your team to innovate and to come up with creative new ways and to look at it outside of the in-stadium experience and think about fans are everywhere. They're, they're local, they're regional, they're national. Like how do we bring all of them to be engaged in a different way. Did you find yourself thinking in more innovative ways to get through this time period? Yeah, definitely. And I really think that we call a lot of that, we call some forced innovation, right? right? Like there are, there are some things in the pandemic that, uh, that we're going to keep and, 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 you know, that were positives because of some of that forced innovation that, especially on college athletics, I'll admit that um, I think we were a little bit behind the rest of the sports industry and maybe the pro sports world, on digital strategy. And so it, that was a really good way for us to uh, push through, uh, you know, some of the excuses because we didn't really have any other choice yeah. at the time. So uh, what we, what we said was, Hey, like, even though we cannot have people in our, inside of our venues, right. As you mentioned that, <laughs> that kind of goes against everything that, that I'm striving to do is packing our, our venues and getting people on campus to visit and be around each other. So you know, what are some ways where digitally, how can we bring Auburn to your home? Like, how can we bring, how can we make you feel connected to the university and to the athletics department on a mobile device or through your email? Yep. And so it's it's really kind of ironic that 
you know, through that process, a lot of our digital numbers, uh, a lot of our email and our e-commerce numbers actually went through the yeah. roof during that time when people were at home. And I think that was not just, you know, unique to Auburn. I think that was industry-wide. A lot of places where everybody is at home connected on the internet, on the Zoom meetings and working from home during this time when the country is shut down. So, you know, really anything that is that is on online or digital is going to be consumed, a lot of it. So um, we, we kind of said, hey, we're not worried about revenue right now. We obviously are, but that's not our primary focus to drive revenue. We're, we just want to connect with you we want to check in with you and then, you know, down the, down the line, you know, maintaining those relationships, you know, the, the revenue and the donations might come later, but let's just, let's just stay engaged and connected with our fans and donors right now. Mm, it's pretty powerful stuff. One of the major trends that's happened is we've started to get back to some level of normalcy, you know, in some way, shape or form is, you know, the passing of name, image and likeness um, legislation. And it's been a huge story and we've covered it from a lot of different angles. I've talked to student athletes, I've talked to marketers, I've talked to brands, and we've had this conversation on, you know, what's happening, agents, everybody, we've talked about this because it's a, a really important topic, but I haven't talked to anybody like you who actually is in college marketing. How has this changed things for you and the athletic department? Has it, or are you more focused on education and compliance or like other things along that nature? Like what's been happening for you in this world as we explore this new world of name, image, and likeness? Yeah, well, I will say for me personally, I, I am not directly as involved with name, image, and likeness as my boss Evan is in our compliance office, obviously, but I have definitely been a part of some conversations and some meetings and just, you know, just being interested in college in the industry overall, I will say that that it's it's a very uh, it's very educational process. Even you know two months into this thing, I think we learn something new every day about uh, the state of Alabama, our legislation, or how we're going to yeah. interpret uh, part of part of the law, or how how this is uh, affecting our student athletes. So so really for for us, it's it's uh, it's just learning and just kind of uh, understanding you know what is it that our student athletes are. Uh, wanting to do and how can we educate them because um, we, we we really do not want to get in the way. We want to kind of let our student athletes connect directly with, uh, with people that want to work with them, but also want to educate them and make sure that they understand, you know, make sure they have the resources to understand, um, you know, what, what it is that uh, they need to do to become successful uh, business people. So in terms of thing, how things have changed, um, it's really interesting that like, not even name, image, and likeness, but just overall in the industry. A lot of times I feel like uh, we're meeting on things that sometimes don't even have anything to do with sports. Like we have, you know, uh, at the time of this recording, one of the largest college football games of the year tomorrow um, happening. But with, <laughs> but with uh, you know, this week, a lot of our meetings had nothing to do even with this game or, or with, with, you know, the actual competition on the field. So there's a lot of conversations right now happening in college athletics and college football um, so just it's really um, staying, I think, in tune with the, the latest news in terms of changing um, as information changes, making sure you know what's uh, what's new and what's what's uh, a best practice in the industry. And also uh, making sure that, it, you know, since I am not directly related to name, image and likeness, if somebody approaches me about a deal or an athlete talks to me, making sure that I'm working directly with our compliance yeah. office or someone within our own building ask before you act for sure i'm telling you like if i was a student athlete now i would totally lean into you or somebody like you on campus whatever school that i'm at because you are one of the 
few sources that are probably going to have my best interest in mind, right? I mean, the brand is going to want certain things and agents may want certain things and everybody may want their thing out of this, but an advisor like you within the athletics department likely only cares about the best possible result for me. And I would go hitting you up for every, thousands of questions. So if you're a student athlete out there, lean on the people around you who are going to be able to help you. I would think if I were you, if I were you, that's what I would be doing. Um, we'll finish up with this. I'm so appreciative of your time. I know you have a big game this weekend. Yes, this recording will come out after you've played Penn State. What is your prediction for the game, though? I think I heard you say beforehand you had a... You had a- well, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll look back on this. <laughs> we will definitely uh, look back on this. It'll be interesting. Uh, the, uh, Auburn, Auburn is going to win by seven points. All right. We'll say final, sc- final score, uh, Auburn 17, Penn State 10. It'll be a low-scoring... Uh, physical physical game with Auburn coming out on top. Our mutual friend, Chris Grossi, who works at Penn State and has been a guest on this show before and had a very popular episode, is <laughs> going to be listening to this. I'm going to make sure he knows Cannot about wait. it. <laughs> but anyway, we'll finish up with this. Lots of people want to work in college athletics. The draw is obvious. You've explained all of the, the great parts that you've enjoyed about working in the athletics department. If someone came up to you today and said, hey, my dream, I want to work at a Power 5 schools athletic department. That's what I want to do. I want to do that. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I, I would just say to uh, don't don't let anybody stop you from pursuing that dream. Um, just just know that you're uh, you're jumping into a lifestyle. Jump, know that you're jumping into something that is is not just a nine to five job. That it's something that you um, you better be passionate about it. It's those intangibles of of bringing it every day, of that hard work, the enthusiasm, the passion. Things that cannot be taught, you know, we we can teach you how to uh, write a marketing plan or how to produce a game or a game script, but but really, uh, just you know, not letting geography hold you down and, and just knowing that this is a lifestyle that you're you're jumping into and that uh, you better be uh, you better be dedicated and passionate about what you do, or uh, it's not going to be a very long career uh, in college athletics. Dan, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much for jumping on. Good luck this weekend against Penn State. Like I said, by the time this airs, we'll all know what happened. But right now, I'm giving you good luck. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much of your insight and advice. I know our audience will absolutely love it. So thank you. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me on the podcast. And uh, have a great weekend. Thank you to Dan for coming on the show. I found that to be a really interesting conversation because college athletics to me is sometimes like this black box of how everything happens. There's a lot of different types of titles. There's a lot of different types of career paths. You see people moving from place to place and you just kind of wonder like, okay, break it all down for me. How does this work? What are the keys? What's it like out there? That's one of the things I really appreciated the most is that I loved being in a newsroom existence in the sports media and Dan talking about what college sports are like and that camaraderie and that community is something I think a lot of us are driven to. So I'm glad that he was able to really expand upon that. That is something special about sports. And I didn't mean in my intro to make it downplayed like it's not amazing because it is. I love this industry. I want it to thrive. I want everybody working in it to feel like they are rewarded as being a part of it. That's the goal here, right? We want to get to amazing places. We want to do amazing things and we want to go home and feel good about it. So that's what we all should be driving towards. I thank all of you for for listening and keeping an open mind in this discussion and just for being here. So please rate, review, subscribe. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show and make sure you make it a continual listen. Check us out on YouTube. Send us in fan questions so we can handle those on Mondays. All of this is part of the point of building our own community too. 
interacting with all of you. So thanks for being a part of it. Yeah.